People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Hello and welcome to the show. Right, today we welcome back returning guest Maria Wheatley uh, to talk about her new book, which is Druidic Star Soul Astrology. And I think if you're into astrology, you'll probably really like this interview and you'll probably want to get the book. Uh, and if you do, obviously the links will be in the show notes at the end. Or you can go onto Maria's website, which is the Avery Experience. Uh, that's the easiest place, I think, to find it. So... As you know, I'm quite sceptical about astrology and that kind of stuff, but at the end, Maria does mine and Andy's chat, and uh, I thought it was quite interesting, actually. Uh, you know, a lot of it sort of resonated with me. Uh, so, again, if you're into that kind of stuff, I think you'll enjoy that. And she's working on some software where you can actually, you'll be able to go on there, put your information in, and get a star chart done, which I think will be quite, you know, interesting for, for everybody just to have a go at, so... Before we get into that, I just want to welcome Dennis Gilmet into the realm of Patreon. Thank you very much for that. Uh, it's really appreciated. If you get a chance, leave us an iTunes review. If you've got iTunes, that is. Uh, if not, please visit the website. Uh, that's had a bit of a remake of late. Uh, so check that out. That's just realmofthesupernaturalpodcast.com. Okay, so before we get into the interview, I've got uh, a little interview here with um, the girls from... Vodka and Ghosts podcast, uh, and Mandy comes on basically to tell us her story. She heard the list of story that I read out from Flannery a few uh, episodes back, and she actually had a similar story herself. So she comes on to tell us that. So let's listen to that. Well, I'm Mandy. I'm Alicia, and we have a podcast called Vodka and Ghosts, and we pretty much drink lots of vodka and tell ghost stories. Pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty much, I mean, you know. Who done? <laughs> so, okay, so you got in contact with me because you heard Flannery's uh, story, which I read out on a recent episode. And you mm -hmm. had a similar encounter of your own. I did. And it's actually one that happened a long time ago. And I have not told because it sounds completely ridiculous. But then when I heard that story, I was like, oh, my gosh, someone, you know, had something similar that happened. So I thought maybe I would tell it. Well, do tell. All right. So a little background on the story is my husband, like before I knew him even, as a child, he said he used to see this woman come into his bedroom. Not every night, but like often, you know? And uh, she would always stand on the left side of his bed. And he would explain her to me like, you know, she had long hair. She, he never saw her face, but um, she was wearing like a white nightgown, stuff like that. And then... Uh, 
he moved to West Virginia and he said she followed him there. And he would always tell me the story and he would use her against me. Like when we first started dating, he would tell me that if I didn't spend the night at his house, he'd tell that girl to show up in my car while I was driving home and stuff, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it freaked me out. But even his brother one night like said that he saw the same thing he described standing in the hallway going into Danny's room one night. So, and he is kind of a skeptic, but he like swears he saw that, you know? Did he know about that before and then? You know, I'm not sure, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know. That's when they were like kids. But <clears throat> so fast forward to when like we're together. I don't remember if we were married yet, but we were staying at his mom's house for the weekend and we were sleeping in his old room and it was daytime actually i woke up it was probably six in the morning i woke up and the sun's like coming through the window it's not nighttime it's not dark and all of a sudden i see this girl well i don't know if she's a girl she's like a monster but she's standing in the corner of his room next to the window and i'm like blinking and stuff and i still see her and uh she looked like a, like what they described the old hag to look like, which at the time I didn't even know about, you know? Yeah. Um, but the one thing that was different was that she, her face was dog-like. But she had like long hair. She was wearing a white, she had long black hair. And she had, had um, like a white, I don't know, uh, nightgown, sorry, nightgown on. And um, she had a dog face. And you know, your caller had said that this guy was like half dog, half human. So that's what got me thinking. But the only thing that differs and this right here is the reason why I've never told anyone because it sounds nuts, like totally fucking nuts. But so her face was dog like, but it was more of like a cartoon dog. And she had this long ass tongue like hanging out of her mouth, you know, and I don't know. I mean, it is burned in my memory and I definitely saw it and I was definitely awake and it wasn't sleep paralysis because I was able to move, you know? Mm. And then, I don't know, I looked away and looked back and she was gone. But I know it sounds like crazy. Totally. I saw like a dog-human hybrid thing, you know? Yeah. So the body was essentially human then? Yeah, the whole thing. I mean, I was like panic stricken so I wasn't paying attention to like the fingers and the feet and all that but I mean it literally to give a reference which I know everyone gives this reference was kind of like the ring girl with the long black hair mm. and uh but she had a face and it looked like a dog and like a cartoon dog and when my husband had described her to me for some reason I always pictured her with like blonde hair you know and just a regular woman and I didn't know that he had never seen her facial features. And so I was telling him about it. And I was describing her. I'm like, she had long black hair and she was super scary. And she had this like dog face, you know. And he was like, yeah, that's her. And I was like, but you, she had blonde hair. And he said, no, I never told you what color hair she had. And he said that he had not face, but he did say that she had long like black hair. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, he would see her like probably up until he was 17 or 18 and and you haven't seen it since or 
No, I have only seen it um, at his mom's house where he grew up. But um, when while we were staying there, a bunch of weird shit happened. And I don't know if it's because he was there or what, but we are kind of... The pantry just opened and all the pans fell out. And uh, peanut butter, like, flew out of the cabinet at one point. And she said, again. And I'm like, oh, great. Time to go. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I don't know. So it does only happen when your husband's there, then. Yeah. Uh huh. And when so when his parents got divorced, he ended up moving to West Virginia to live with his dad for a little while, and he said she followed him there. Like he would see her there, mm-hmm. and she scared the shit out of him. And one thing I don't know if this will mean anything to anybody listening, but he said he knew she was coming when he saw Siamese cats coming in his room. I don't know. Well, presumably they didn't have Siamese cats. <laughs> no, they did not. No. <laughs> yeah. So he would see that and he was like, fuck, she's coming tonight. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Did he ever mention a smell or anything? No. The only thing he mentioned was the left side of the bed and the cats. But he did say he pushed his bed to the left side of the wall so that she couldn't come and stand there, you know? Well, that's not and that's he... going to piss her off, is it? It did, because he woke <laughs> up and... uh she was sitting Indian style on the left side of the bed by the wall. Hmm. Creepy. Yeah. So does he or you have any, you know, idea who she is or what she is? I don't. I keep asking him if he like accidentally murdered someone or something, you know? I'm like, what the fuck? Why is this ghost following you around? Like when you were a kid, did you do something bad? But we no, we have no idea. And now he is like all weird and skeptical which is bullshit because he's the one who had this going on as a kid Mm -hmm. so it's hard to talk to him about it but i mean i've gotten that much out of him you know because when i first started dating him it was like still fresh in his mind so it was just happening or just at the end of it happening maybe so but then i saw her well what can we say i mean you know like you say you're not the only person that's seen this obviously he's seen this you've seen this uh, and then like say Flannery's seen something similar so there'll be there'll be people out there that have seen something like this or something similar and probably never shared it for the same reasons uh, you've brought up so it'd be interesting to see if we get any more people who have seen this creature but I I don't know why the dog face on a human body is just yeah see that's what I don't understand that is what made it I know 100% I was awake. It wasn't even nighttime. The sun was up. I don't know. But I have been very hesitant to tell it. I haven't even told it on my podcast because I'm afraid of losing listeners. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you'll come on here and lose my listeners. (laughs) (laughs) No, they'll just be like, Lee, what the fuck? That girl's nuts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I get get emails about Andy saying something similar, so. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I wish he was there. I wish I got to say hi to Andy. Tell him hi for us. Yeah, we'll do. Well, um, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. If we get any more feedback, I'll I'll obviously let you know. And if you see it again, you must let us know. All right. I hope I don't, but I will definitely <laughs> let you know. <laughs> I hope you do. <laughs> All, All right. right. Thank Cheers you. Lee. See ya. Okay. Bye. Okay, so just before we get into the interview, I just want to point out, at the end of this show, there will be a cryptid corner, 
new little bit that we're adding on, and that's going to be aired on Hillbilly Horror Stories as well, so Jerry's going to play that on his show, so if you listen to that, you probably might have already aired it or whatever, but it's going to be at the end of our show anyway, so bear that in mind. And um, right, without further ado, let's get this uh, interview with Maria Wheatley underway. I thought I'd start by asking uh, what you've been up to recently, because I know you're always into, into something interesting, so... Well, yeah, recently I've just uh, completed an academic paper at Oxford University regarding prehistory, which allowed me access to uh, some of Oxford's, you know, finest libraries. So uh, I've been sort of literally downloading lots of information and found a few real gems for the next book on, you know, on our ancestors, really. So I'm looking forward to kind of researching. I've been to Egypt since I saw you last, and I've been to Malta. And I'm... To Ireland for the summer solstice, so out and about and keeping out of trouble, hopefully. We try. Yeah, I think um, well, I'm creep bound next year, so I'm going to creep. You know, about creep so next year. So. Wow, lovely. Yeah. Um, See the old labyrinth. Labyrinth of caves again. Amazing. Yeah, we've got some questions later on for you because we've got some. Now I've got my singing bowl. We've had a, did a few tests on it. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's, uh, you know. Because uh, we had, uh, I've also seen in your book, you know, with all, me and Lee was talking um, yesterday and he, he came up with some, which I thought was fascinating. And I thought, yeah, I thought about it, it makes sense. You know, when the people are digging these people up, you know, Neolithic man or whatever, and they find them, you know, the swords or whatever. Also, bowls with them. You know, I thought, well, bowls. But then we thought, well, could they be singing bowls? Why not food bowls? You know, like, they, they get the bowls now, you know, for their frequency, you know. Possible they could be was talking about, weren't we? It's possible. Why? Why have bowls for food? Because, well, in the afterlife, but mm. different. I don't d- different uh, aspects there, but again, possible. Yes, yeah, some of the uh, early Neolithic pottery, because uh, as part of the prehistoric course at Oxford, we could handle pottery. Yeah. You know, rather than just uh, see it, and some of it is very, very ornate. Which, you know, if you've, if you've just got a food bowl, if you've just got a, a plate, it's a practical thing. Some yeah. of these bowls, and they are very smooth on the inside because they're very, almost like finely polished as well. Yeah. That's what singing bowls are, aren't they? They're, they were kind yeah. of inside. Possible, isn't it? Yeah. Like Makes sense, just, doesn't it? Makes sense, doesn't it? It, it just it's... seems strange that you, you know, you'd bury them with all these trinkets you know obviously for the afterlife if you want it if you want and you know sword and shield we understand that you know buried on your shield that but then to find a bowl it just seems a bit uh you know no knife and fork it's just a, a bowl <laughs> no napkins just but obviously i mean obviously some of them are, are bowls aren't they but you know i don't know some of them some of them are bowls uh which you know um i agree with and they have been tested because they've left some residue inside them so some of the taller ones known as like the beakers yeah, mm, yeah. Uh, which you get in burials they had hallucinogenics in mm. and beer yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the, the the kind of more rounder, more kind of like uh, Peterborough where I think, you know, that could be open to interpretation like uh, both you and Andy have suggested yeah. with sink holes, yeah. you know, why not? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, uh, should we get into the book then? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Fire away. Yeah, the book, absolutely fascinating, Murray. Where can I start? Where can, where, where can I start? Just absolutely amazing. I mean, well, should we get uh, Maria to give us an overview for those who don't? Yeah, know I mean, why why don't we find any of this information in in the libraries, then, Maria? Why is it been kind of put back and or 
hidden or whatever or you know i mean you found it all and you put it all together an amazing book but why why isn't this uh open to everybody why this is on online or in the library where you can pull a book out and it's there yeah well the the book uh, druidic soul star astrology is a mm. kind of combination of ancient uh, astrological attributes to planets and to countries so that was drawn from uh Claudius Ptolemy and Claudius Ptolemy wrote a book at the turn of uh, like 1 AD called Tetrabiblos and in Tetrabiblos he said this country is ruled by this planet and this planet means this and that's what all astrologers today have drawn upon Claudius Ptolemy in Tetrabiblos and he was in an Egyptian uh, where he was living in Egypt and he probably studied at the great library called the Alexandrian library so that's where I drew a lot of inspiration from, very traditional astrology. And the other side of the book was I was at an ancient site near Stonehenge called the Codford Circle, which was known to be a kind of center for the Druids. And when I was there, I got inspired by a kind of energy of the, of the kind of sacred site to, to study for this book. So it draws upon different kind of culture, cultures, and I put it all together. So, yeah, so it's quite, quite unique and uh, a friend and I are working on software at the moment so that you can instantly have it on software so that you don't have to kind of draw any charts out or anything. It's instantly in front of you with an interpretation as well. Well, that would be fantastic because, you yeah. know, this day and definitely. age, yeah. everybody wants everything instantly, don't they? Yes, yeah. Or yesterday, so yeah. Yeah, something like that will really uh, yeah, definitely. help yeah. people. Um, I mean, I like it because... It's not you saying, um, and that's not no no disrespect. It's not like you say, you know, like you get these psychics saying, or like reading cards and saying, um, but it's their interpretation. But, but this is this is an ancient thing. This is you know, it's not you saying this. It's, you're just it, bringing the information yeah, out, you're giving, yeah, And I find that yeah. you, you know unique, if you like, and in, you know that's more interesting to be that these people are doing that. But when we talk about this uh, astrology and you know telling the future past whatever who was who was getting this information was it just the, the the priestly classes or was this open to every man in that day probably uh, when uh, Ptolemy was writing his book Tetrabiblos I mean that is the bible for all astrologers that's where all the attributes of the planets have come down to us from time apart from some from ancient Egypt and Sumer so it was probably just the priesthood and the very learned scholars types of their era. So it wouldn't have been open to everyone. In fact, ancient astrology wasn't even for people. I mean, today we have our own charts done. We know our own sun sign, etc. But um, all of those millennia ago, it was just for the royals. It was for the ruling elite. And they used to plan wars. They used to plan, you know, the birth of yeah. their child. It was very elitist uh, in ancient Egypt and Sumer. So I think, yeah, it wasn't open to everybody. Hmm. Would you say that still goes on today? Well, I mean, even when we go to our own royal family and look at the historical influences, for example, of Queen Elizabeth I, everybody knows what she looks like, you know, we can all instantly uh, know her. Well, she had her own astrologer called Dr. John Dee. So Dr. John Dee was a mathematician, a cultist, and he was working for Queen Elizabeth I. And I suspect very strongly they planned a lot of things together by using ancient occult law. Yeah, yeah. 
think it doesn't got to be a normal whistle grant, would it? Not for them lot, anyway. They want somebody with a bit of the old know-how, wouldn't they? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, if you right. look at what D got involved in and his influence on the M- the Empire and all yeah. the rest of yeah. what goes on, I mean, I mean, could you do that on your own? Yeah. You know, it, you know, was he drawing from something? I guess. You know, magic. So magic. Well, that's that's what he said, didn't it? So magic. Yeah. So all energy. You had a question about the book. Yeah. The. Um, I found that there's one. I mean, there's one. I mean, it's, the book was fantastic, Marie. I mean, I did. It's fantastic book. There's one part in there where I think we've talked about it before. Um, one part of the book, uh, he was on about water, uh, which has memory and life. Water is conscious. I mean, you got the like Stonehenge. There's huge vortices and water uh, below. That's where they uh, draw up the power, the energy, um, and it fascinates me about the water having memory. Yeah, I mean, how. How big a memory are we saying here? Are we going thousands of million? Are we thousands of years here for the you know this energy under these sacred sites? Yeah. You? yeah well, you see, with uh, with sacred sites being so intimately associated with deep underground water, yeah, and you know homeopaths have told us for decades that you know water has memory and that we have uh, motos teachings, etc. So yeah, so really the water uh, deep below the ground can, uh, I believe and propose, has a very strong memory. So it could remember the kind of whole history of of Stonehenge could be encoded into the water. So really, when we look at these uh, ancient sites, they could be like Akashic records for, you know, the ancient past and and indeed the present. Because I do think ancient sites recognize your energy field if you keep going back and back and back. Right. So... you can really just go back and maybe you if you know what you're doing then you can actually draw on that and bring up them their memories or the energy up to you yeah because when i've taken people around places like avebury and stonehenge and uh, we had uh, a trip around there ourselves it's quite interesting to know that some people really do when they're by certain stones repeat similar stories not identical mm-hmm but very similar, and you're thinking, wow, you know, is it the kind of energy field of the stone? Is it the energy field of the deep underground water? It's probably a combination of both, and sometimes there's that kind of connection that people make and uh, reveal, you know, aspects of our long-lost history. Mm. Let's give us an example of one of those stories. Well, for for example, there was a lady from uh, Australia, and she was uh, just walking around Avebury. I was her guide for the day, you know, so we were just kind of very slow pace, not like with a kind of fast pace uh, tour. And she went to to one stone and said she felt that there was a lady associated to it, and uh, the lady had like thick brown uh, hair with a kind of funny kind of plait or something down sort of one side, which is quite a distinctive way of describing a woman, you know, an unusual plait or braid. And she was from Australia, and it must have been about two to three years later. It was quite some time had elapsed, and I was taking uh, another lady around, and she was from Japan, you know, and she was a very petite Japanese uh, lady, very sensitive, and she stopped by the stone, but a little bit more in front of it, not so close as the, the Australian lady, and came out with something very similar, that there was this woman, and she had uh, a kind of uh, look down one side that it looked like it was braided, and she had thick brown hair. Hmm. 
she she got the height of her she said i think she's around sort of five feet uh four inches and uh, and i sense that she uh, is from a long time ago and i think she's associated with avebury when it was back in the day you know four and a half thousand years ago she she felt so even though the japanese lady got more detailed the, the beginning was just almost identical yeah and do we have any you know notion of who that lady that they're talking about is no i mean there's no burials really at Avebury and the only burial that did occur was like in the Henge Bank at the far end and it was a short lady. She was sort of about um, five feet, just five feet tall and she's called the Dwarf of Avebury but she wasn't a dwarf so I don't know why you get yeah, <laughs> online and they say there's a dwarf buried in the Henge Bank and it isn't at all. Uh, that's the only burial known but um, but yeah, I think I think that was the kind of combination of the the stones energies and the yeah. sensitivity of almost of... like um, like the memories trapped in the the energy field, if you like, and people step into it and somehow plays in their mind. You know, like putting a video, people won't even know what videos are now. But no, no, putting no, like no, a video in a VHS in, 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 in a VHS machine. No, you got, you, got and, know you know what I mean? So you can it's like replaying yeah. that that memory on there. Do you think? Do you find that women are more sensitive than men, or? I think women women generally are, but you get a lot of you know sensitive uh, sensitive guys as well that uh, that I've taken taken round. So I think you know, especially these days with people becoming more awake and more aware and working with their own sensitive sides, be that you know a male or a female, then then yes, you know I think uh, I think generally speaking, there's been a huge wave of people becoming switched on and aware. I don't know if you've recognised that in your your neck of the woods, so to speak. Mm, well, no, not down here. Uh, no, I mean not personally, oh. but uh, I... well, again, I, I, yeah, my site, I, uh, it has been a, a drip, drip. It's not a, an outpour, Marie, is it? It's just, it's just a constant drip, drip, drip. It's, some people awaken and so, yeah, no, out, I think so. you're right. I think there is. Um, it, oh, it's a frequency change. It's been a frequency change for many, many years. Yeah, I but think that, it's, that, it's the people you know, picking it up. That stiff upper lip kind of thing, uh, which we've always that mentality that we've always had. I think that is fading away uh, gradually so you know maybe we are sort of reclaiming some of our history you know our ancient past and where do we um because it obviously brought water so it made me uh, wonder but where do we stand on druids and river goddesses well you see at the end of the bronze age you know let's say we're on a timeline this is an orthodox timeline that archaeologists would use and we're about sort of 700 750 bc the the strange thing was around about that time and, and a little bit before as well there was a climatic change yeah it was getting colder and uh, uh, probably crops were failing and the people that built the stone circles abandoned them all. They literally never went back to them after about 1000 BC, okay? Then around about 750 uh, BC, the, there was a culture, the, uh, the Druid culture came into being in the Iron Age. And because it was so wet and soggy and the, it was cold, cold winters, they went to higher ground and built ceremonial sites, which are, are wrongly called hill forts, because a lot of them are non-defensive, actually. Some are defensive. But they started off as a ceremonial site. And then when the Romans came, around about, you know, 40, uh, to, up to 43 AD, 
they were fortified more, but they were ceremonial centers. So I think, you know, it's really interesting to know that what we're going through today with uh, climate disturbance and climatic change is exactly what the megalithic people went through and the, uh, and the Druid people. Mm. So maybe there is some correlation between, um, I don't know if you want to call it knowledge, but you know, when the weather changes, maybe we do another frequency or whatever, and maybe this, we know, we fall into particular patterns, um, and I think that reoccurs. Is that was that sort of evident across the globe, or is it across across Europe? Now they they used to think it was because of uh, a volcano going off uh, in Greece, uh, Santorini. That was the goal. Mm. Now with uh, advanced science and you know DNA testing and you know uh, testing particles they can actually tell what volcano and where it was and it was from Iceland and when Iceland erupted um, at the turn of the, the bronze into the Iron Age it created a nuclear winter I mean it was devastating for the people at that time and again all volcanoes are becoming quite active yeah. again yeah yeah so we could all be on the brink of, of change and I, I think you've kind of resonated with something what, uh, what I feel. I really do feel that what Gaia does, what she changes, changes our consciousness. Yes, absolutely. Because we have to adapt to, to the earth changes, the changes in energies, and as Andy's described, in frequencies. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You have to, you have to change. You either are going to go with it or you're going to get left behind, and it's up to you what you well, want you to can't, do. Well, you definitely no can't stand still, can you? You can't stand still. There's volcanoes no... going off. Or... Everything's movement. You can't do, stand still. There's I no, do worry. No I mean, I, I know people have a big, uh, you know, nuclear problem. Like, think this is going to happen, nuclear war, there's or no nuclear war. Uh, pandemic, or yeah. whatever, whatever catastrophe it's going to be. I, I really do worry about the human. I don't think we'll go extinct because there's too many of us. Uh, there's going to be always going to be isolated pockets somewhere that will thrive, uh, you know, and maybe start over again. But I really do worry about what will happen in them times because if it does happen, or maybe not if, but when, yeah, I just bad. don't think we're we're anywhere near ready for it. I think we've moved so far away from it now, um, and, and this might be why they're trying to bring robots in and stuff like that because maybe they can. You know, weather it better well, that, than that's us. That's no difference. It doesn't matter. And robots are not. They're they're not going to make it either. Because well, I think they'll be able to weather it slightly it. better than humans. But well, no. Again, it's you know, it's going to happen. People think they're going to go underground and they're safe. They're not safe underground. Mm. You know, think the haven under. No, nothing's going to be safe. It's going to be complete change, complete switch, and that's it. And when what the uh, you know the Iron Age people um, had to you know endure was the the lack of crops. Mm. We have a lot of people on the planet, so you know you've got to feed a, a lot of people, and they had to change their farming yeah. techniques, everything to adapt to that big climatic uh, change. So I feel that the, at the the Druid time, because it was wetter, it was colder, they started a water cult, like uh, you mentioned, uh, Lee. So they would deposit in like river goddesses. The the water became very, very important to them because they were probably trying to apply old esoteric law to, you know, control and appease uh, the water, which in to some degree they did because the climate started to get a little bit better. So um, we're, we're, we could face that, at a, like I said, at any one time. Mm. I think water is... Is part is the key to a lot of this. Thing. Yeah, again, I, I I understand the changes of of past history, and some that hasn't been said. 
but I think now the time is this is this isn't going to be a change. It's going to be a good night to me. It's, it's going to be you know we'll be born on another planet, another place. I think we've been we're on borrowed time. We've been on borrowed time for so so long, and we've you know it's but you know as you know we can't die. We just go on somewhere else to another classroom and we learn from there. So mm. Do we why get worry? Do, I mean obviously ignore the fair porn. Just live day by day. Mm. Enjoy it. Well, do you, do you get a sense that the druids predicted what was about to happen, or do you think they was reacting? Well, I think they must have felt something was coming because, like I said, they abandoned all of the low ground. They abandoned the uh, previous cultures' uh, stone circles, which, you know, must have been... They're so big, they're so huge, but they, they suddenly never, never went there again. It's almost like they felt they had to do something very, very uh, different to, uh, to survive, uh, and they did. And uh, they, they had a beautiful culture as much as the megalithic culture. Anyway, they just did things slightly differently. But, you know, most of the DNA tests that have been done from the kind of uh, Bronze Age do say that we're very mixed Europeans. Mm. Yeah. You know, and that the early ancient Britons, of which I've spoken about on your show before, which were the elongated, long skull uh, people of Stonehenge, uh, that they were the kind of ancient uh, Britons. Uh, compared to the kind of more Europeans that we have in the kind of Druidic period. No Brexit there. <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, again, it's it's fascinating. Uh, the, the book, I loved your book. And again, it's it's not, you know, I found in your book, you're not trying to, you know, you're just telling, you're explaining what it is. You're not trying to put anything over. I know it's in your book as well. You're just telling it as it is, you know, and then it's, if someone, I mean, have you, the people, I know you do readings as well, Marie, and you've done that. Um, I mean, this kind of past lives and future lives, has it altered any, in, in your in your you know, time you've been doing this, has it altered anybody's thought pattern? Where they think, oh my God, I was like, I was just in a past life, you know, uh, have have they altered their life by it? Or has it been a, a life changer? Well, they said, oh yeah, whatever, I'm not going to, oh, whatever it is. What it is, I, I think people resonate with some things that are said and yeah. it kind of explains uh, who they are and why they behave in particular ways. So I think they kind of resonate with it and they say, oh, I behaved like that because of a certain planet in a certain house. And we'll have a look at yours uh, chart in a moment, Andy. No, no. Can he go first? <laughs> who wants to go first then? Can go first. <laughs> Put his hand up on you. Yeah, well. I, don't, I don't mind you wanting to go first, but... No. Right. Yeah, Lee, Lee, Lee can go first, Maria. I mean, I had a, like I say, astrology. Um, I've never been a big fan of it. I've never really understood the fascination with it. I, I can't say I've really looked into it. Yeah. But um, it's one of them things where I hear people talk about it, and people really, um, like I say, resonate with it and and live their lives almost by it. So. You know, I've never gone that deep, but I, I, it does always, it's, it's always made me curious. Um, I think it's like, you know, you, you get the, the, the ones in the papers and, you know, your, your stars and it's like, mm. people look at that, I don't know. Well, it's not we used to get them years ago, didn't they, with a GMTV and yeah, Russell yeah, Grant came yeah. on. Oh, and you know, you used to put, put a really great performance up, you know, if you're Sagittarius and you're yeah. down there or something. It's you know, not people so much kind that, of it's on the it. fact that you this know. has been going on now for so long. Of course it has, yeah. Then it, it, you sort of have to imagine that people are getting results, otherwise they wouldn't continue to use use it. 
Yeah. And, it, and it was global because when we look to one planet, uh, say Mercury, for example, Mercury has uh, a different name, but it means the same in all different cultures. Mm -hmm. So for the ancient Celts, it would have been called Lug. Uh, to the Greeks, it was Hermes. To the Egyptians, Thoth. That's Mercury, always meaning communication, you know, uh, quite intellectual, magician skill. So, you know, it's like it was known throughout the ancient world. It didn't matter where you came from, you would know that Mercury in the heavens meant that. So that's how the ancient astrologers would have the same thing, just a different name. But the meaning always uh, meant the same thing. So we, we've inherited a system of astrology that goes back to, to ancient, ancient times and ancient sources, starting with Babylon, Sumer, yeah. Uh, ancient Egypt and then Claudius Ptolemy where I've drawn upon because what I like is I like going back to source mm, you know yeah. if one astrologer said that well who said that to begin with you know yeah. so I've always gone yeah. all the way back uh, to source and I even own a, a copy of uh, Tetra Biblos it's still going now uh, to this day it's the most you know prized um, astrology book so to cast uh, a, Druidic, a Druidic soul star chart to ascertain your past and uh, future i need your date of birth your time of birth and your place of birth which you know you both kindly gave me yep. so i could uh, cast your chart and uh, lee's gonna go first yep. <laughs> i mean i'm excited i am excited i must admit yeah great well, again lee you've got quite an interesting chart because you've got quite a few planets in the top of the soul star chart and in the bottom. Now the great thing about uh, Druidic Soul Star Astrology is you don't have to be an astrologer to understand it. It's that simple. <laughs> you don't need to be an astrologer to even cast a chart. So you know if you get the book don't think oh, oh I've got to be an astrologer. You really don't. It's just very key, key words that are you know that we use in it. So in your chart you have a lot of uh, planets at the top of your chart and a lot of planets at the bottom. Yeah. So they fill up certain uh, what's called astrological houses. Now when uh, I looked at yours, I noticed you've got a few of those planets in the bottom of your chart, which represents your home, your family life, uh, and maybe soul groups. So when um, we come to, to your chart, you have, for, for instance, you've got uh, Mars, uh, Saturn, and Pluto in the fourth house retrograde. Now what retrograde means is viewed from Earth, yeah, from a geocentric point of view, some of the planets appear to go backwards in the heavens. They don't, they're always going around an ecliptic orbit. But it's an optical illusion, like from a geocentric point of view. So some of your planets are going backwards. Okay. So that means there's a kind of a lot of karma associated uh, with uh, retrograde motion. So, we're going to start with Pluto because that's a very distant past life. And it's a distant past life because Pluto's a very distant planet. Mm -hmm. It's been reduced to a planetoid by uh, astronomers these days, but it's, uh, it's a planet nonetheless that was only recently discovered in the 1930s. So, Pluto represents in a past life uh, you were associated with a, with a family, a family group that was very uh, strict. Uh, possibly overbearing, 
and you felt really in this past life that you were being dominated or, or controlled, yeah? So, in this life, that might transpire as you like, uh, to a certain degree, a lot of freedom. You might not like being, what to, uh, being told what to do by your parents. If your parents became strict, you'd probably want to, not necessarily rebel against it, but kind of put a distance between you. You don't like being dominated uh, in the home because in that past life you were you were probably uh, being told what to do very strict upbringing probably uh, the father you may have incarnated all uh, again so so for you it's definitely about a certain degree of personal freedom uh, in your life is important to you and not to be manipulated uh, or kind of controlled so perhaps you know that at times you you've experienced that again because the karma is involved with people you know being strict maybe your father was strict or maybe there was some kind of break between uh, you and your father in this this kind of past life is saying there's some energy associated with that okay and what do you think about that uh, any any thoughts uh... I don't, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, interesting. I mean, I've always had an interest in Pluto. I never I don't know where that comes from, but um, yeah, I think the the uh, I mean, authority uh, has always been a bit of a a bugbear of mine. Um, you know, I've got I've got the sack a few times because of because <laughs> of that situation. You don't take no shit. No, um, so yeah. I mean that might play into it, and I never really understood why. Um, it's just you know when you sit down in the cold light of day and you, you wonder why, and um, it just comes yeah. from some somewhere. Uh, I don't know. It's just interesting. Well, you see, according to this sort of uh, you know law on astrology, it's saying it's because you know in a past life you felt that you were being told what to do and control. Mm -hmm. So in this life, you, you would uh, not want that, you know, or you'd kind of rebel uh, against it. But so that was a kind of harsh uh, beginning to your kind of soul history because that's been dominated uh, by someone. But then in another incarnation, incidentally, that was as a male, and at another incarnation uh, as a male, this time as the sun. And, and again, the sun links us to our family. The sun and the moon uh, do link us to to our family, so there there is karma between you and uh, male members of your family because the 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 sun has always been seen as you know male you know by by most cultures. So you've got the sun, Mercury, and Venus at a very high point in your chart uh, called uh, the tenth house in in uh, in Soul Star, and this is where I think you know your positive karma comes in. Because with Mercury, and we mentioned Mercury earlier, Mercury's all about communication, it's quite intelligent, it likes writing, it, it likes technology to a certain degree, the kind of modern side of, you know, Mercury, uh, as, as indeed Uranus rules computers. But here, Mercury is about saying to you, in one past life, you were definitely good at writing, you were good at speaking, and you could even uh, teach or convey your message very clearly to others. So I think may, you may have been like a scribe or, you know, you were quite well educated um, for, for that time uh, in this past life. So today you might have inherited certain spiritual traits like the, the ability to want to... Um, communicate successfully to even write I think you have writing skills uh, you know that you've uh, inherited to put you know things uh, things across 
So I see, and also as a teacher, a lot of teachers have Mercury in the 10th house because they can show people what to do very clearly. Yeah, so I think you've got some uh, inherited uh, gifts there with uh, with writing and uh, communication skills. So maybe it was a scribe, uh, you know, at a kind of ancient library or, you know, within a kind of a monastic uh, community or something like that. So I see that as a kind of really good in inheritance. And with the, with the sun uh, very close, that's also uh, a good influence, saying that you really do, in this past life with the sun, had strong leadership qualities, yeah? You could organize quite well, you could lead quite well. So I think, again, you've inherited in your spiritual heritage the ability to, to write and be an effective communicator with Mercury and also leadership qualities with the sun. And it's interesting that you said earlier that you, you've gone through a few jobs because when the sun's in the 10th house, self-employment suits them because they can work out their own day, they can organize uh, themselves. So I would think you could shine quite bright as you know being uh, self-employed. Uh, and, you know, being able to organize uh, and have uh, leadership skills. And also, that's quite good karma. But again, links to the family. There's a soul family uh, group link for you on, on the, the male bloodline. So have you got any interest in writing or anything like that? Um, yeah, uh, songs. Um, when obviously, in a few bands, I, I predominantly write the lyrics for the songs. Um, there you go. And you know, I've always done that, but I mean, <clears throat> if you were had to ask me, um, key traits, if you like, uh, I would put leadership as probably maybe second, third or second on, on, on the list. There, I mean, you know, this from work, yeah, of course, too, yeah, you know, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm 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 always first one to talk up to stand up and say whatever, yeah, if it's bugging, he'll say it, yeah. It's annoying, he'll say it. And I do have an, a, what's, I don't know how to phrase it really, but I, I almost, I am sort of a leader, if you like, and it sounds a bit weird to say that. Well, it's a, yeah, you you want to say, look, you know, this is, what what they're doing is crap, come follow me, and let's, let's do it this way, let's shut, you know, put the keys on the table and, yeah. you know, down tools, basically. And, mm. I, and so it's, it's if uh, the others would follow, wouldn't they? So... Mm. Because these are strong traits, because the whole idea behind this sort of past life uh, astrology is that the chart will never describe all of your past lives, you know, I mean, that's, that's impossible because the soul has incarnated so many times. But it's pointing to particular traits and particular past lives that have significance for you today. You sort of mean that's what I'm saying. So you can draw upon, uh, you know, your leadership skills because you, you were uh, very effective uh, uh, in a past life. That's what I'm saying, you know, so that's spiritual uh, in inheritance. And when we come to uh, another uh, planet, this time it's a female, yeah, because it's Venus. And Venus has always been seen throughout the ancient world, you know, from Aphrodite, Isis, you know, that's the kind of uh, goddess uh, persona that, that Venus has. It's just the, uh, you know, um, Roman word. So in this uh, past life, you were actually very kind and very affectionate. And you were learning really in this past life about getting in touch with your emotions. Yeah. 
And when Venus is quite prominent in a, in a soul star chart, it represents that relationships are very important to the person. You know, Venus wants to be affectionate. Venus wants to love. So in this past life, you probably found uh, your soul partner. You know, you had a very deep, deep bond uh, with somebody and felt, you know, that uh, you'd really found uh, love. So because relationships are, were important in that past life, again, when we look at, you know, uh, today and how that could influence us, I would imagine that, you know, when you do split up with people and you've had a relationship, it really does take you some sort of time to get over that because, you know, that you've always forged deep bonds since this past life with emotional uh, relationships. And you feel that, you know, when you are in a relationship, you're, you're bonded very strongly uh, to that person. So it could be... For you, you actually recognize who you like and who you dislike quite uh, instinctively at mm -hmm. times, especially with, you know, partners, uh, you know, uh, girlfriends, you know, wives, uh, that, that sort of thing. So I think that's drawn from that past life where relationships were very important to you and I think you found uh, your, your soul partner. Okay. <laughs> That's what I mean. I said I don't think I, I don't think I don't know what Lee's going to make of his chart. <laughs> I think um, no, I think that um, you know where I um, can do. I like this person. Don't like this person. Um, that's pretty instinctive. I'll give you that. And <clears throat> and it's sort of like if I made a decision on a person, whether that's you know a friend or whatever that that I, I don't really waver from that so it's like sort of first impression and i've made my make my judgment and that's it um i never really go back to it but i don't know i think I'm, the emotional side of it i'm not really um not really keyed into that uh, <laughs> as much um because I, I, I mean i don't know what you want to say here but especially with the, the ladies side of things um <laughs> normally it's um uh yeah normally um yin and yang yeah yeah normally i don't um speak to them afterwards <laughs> you know what i mean um so i don't know if that that, that well, that's that. not emotions that's that's i mean it's, it's, it's... no i mean that, like forging uh like a, a bond if you like uh, but obviously obviously when it comes to relationships that's different um but they, they get in like you say like it took me a long time to get over people and i never really found that um in this life anyway um that's never been a a real issue for me i, I think uh you know normally if people walk out the door that i don't really give it a second thought um wow yeah okay well that obviously looks like you've gone gone through a, a lot of uh, stuff there because yeah but it does nonetheless you know venus and that, that place I mean that relationships when you are in a relationship it should be very you know important uh, to you and also you've got mars in a very prominent position and this gives you a very powerful will so in this past life you were a male so you have experienced feminine energies before uh you know love and uh, soul, soul kind of uh, connections uh, you really have uh, and in this uh, past life you were you were a male but you this time you had a very very powerful world very determined to do whatever, whatever it was you wanted uh, to do and you were able to transform your life uh, probably around the age of sort of 30-35 is a significant time uh, in astrology to do with Saturn 
So uh, it was almost like at one point uh, in this past life, you were kind of a bit drifty, you know, doing this and then doing that. And then suddenly around the age of 30, 35, you thought, I really want to do something. And you applied your will and uh, your strength and determination. And, uh, and you were very uh, successful. So it was really about trying to find out who you were in this past life. Do you see what I mean? Because you... Uh, the first part you you didn't know and then suddenly bingo moment eureka moment and you did and you went on to be quite successful so if there's any influence in, in this incarnation one interpretation could be about uh, applying focus to whatever it was you wanted to do and achieve and if you did with this kind of trace memory in in your soul then you should be able to apply that to get what you want in this incarnation you know positively uh, expressed mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. So do, do you feel you've got a good strong willpower or not really no I, no i do i think um and like i say what am i now my 34, 34, I don't know, yeah. Uh, so, I would say, like, since obviously turning 30, uh, probably over 30, just, you know, turning 30 onwards, I've sort of, um, yeah, I sort of know where I want to go now. Um, before that, uh, you know, I wasn't really sure. Uh, never really gave it much thought, to be honest with you. And then, uh, obviously, since turning 30, I think that's changed. Um, so I'd kind of know where I want to go now and what I want to do and... Uh, obviously had the kids and stuff like that um, you know that was a decision that was made at that point um, so that that was a turning point for sure mm. well I, I think you know uh, with that kind of soul memory uh, you know you could be very successful especially with the Sun the leadership qualities and applying mercury these are your positive spiritual traits and even though you didn't resonate with the, the female incarnation and that kind of deep emotional uh, side I, I I think that's there in your soul uh, as well uh, it would be uh, my take on it you know but if we have a look to the future I look to what's called really strong transits now what's a transit it's not a van <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to begin with yeah what, what... Let's get out of the way it's not a van <laughs> <laughs> that's because that's honestly there's normally the one liner so i get that in now <laughs> so anyway what a transit is it's comparing the planets today to where they were in your birth chart and if they make a relationship like very close to one another opposite each other it's called an opposition or if they're 60 degrees away it's called a sextile 120 degrees it's called a trine and they're kind of planets relationships do you see what i mean in the heavens yep. so we can compare the heavens today to your chart the interesting thing is from june to december so you're heading for this transit energy now okay but it will lastly up to two years yeah this is a slow transit because it's to do with pluto yeah now pluto like i said is a very distant planet but and it's a very small planet but it's very powerful and the positive side of pluto is it's the transformer it's the alchemist it can transmute lead into gold it can transmute anything it wants to because a bit like your mars past life pluto can apply its will and direction to be successful now, pluto uh, 
is in your ascendant and your ascendant was the constellation that was rising at the time of your birth so if you imagine Pluto is 180 degrees away from that sensitive point so I foresee in the next two years so we'll have to meet up and discuss how it's going yeah this uh, this would be good on radio um, uh, that I think your whole life is going to start changing yeah I think you know you're going to probably uh, change um, uh, your work how you how you're applying work you've probably maybe even now starting thinking of new ideas new new things may come into your life new projects and uh, anything that you want to change within the next two years should be quite easy to do because what I mean if you wanted to change direction and, and or learn something and bring this into your life this is the time to do it within the next two years and I really do feel Lee that you're gonna look back in two years time and think oh why didn't I do that sooner because the changes that are gonna come in can be very positive and they can lead and open doorways so any opportunities that come your way really do take them you know because this is a time of change and transition and in a way what Pluto is doing because you know you're not going to get this aspect for another 200 and something years because then you're not going to be here because Pluto takes so long to go around the zodiac so when we have Plutonian uh, transit we can change sometimes we change our look we change our attitudes do you see what I mean things gradually change with with Pluto so that's what I mean in two years time you may even change a bit how how you look your, or your attitudes will change uh, and relationships uh, may even change they could become uh, deeper they the working relationships could change new influences could come in it's really about working with what you want to change on your in, inner self you're in harmony with the universal energies of your chart so yeah I think good good changes are coming up and you know be, be the alchemist change your, your lead into gold this is the energy that is uh, being applied over the next two years mm, yeah. interesting mm. yeah yeah definitely. <laughs> I'll see you in two years <laughs> yeah. we'll be in Hawaii yeah. then we'll yeah. be in Hawaii yeah. we're gonna be on stage yeah, I'll fly you out to Barbados yeah yeah well yeah don't forget me then will you <laughs> you're the work change yeah I suppose I'll be yeah I'll be the worker so. Right, nice. so, so just to, to recap, looking back on, on uh, you know, your chart, you, you've got some really good, uh, really good traits and, um, you know, even though the, you did have one kind of negative past life where you were dominated in the home, you, you don't like uh, control and being told what to do, I think that served to make you more independent, you know, your soul more independent, so I think even that was, uh, that was a good uh, experience, so... So yeah, so that was the most significant planets uh, in your chart. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So shall I move on to Andy? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me mine, please, Maria. <laughs> see yeah. what, see well, what I've got coming. Yeah, I've I've done some uh, some transits yeah. uh, for, for you as well, so uh, that's really uh, positive. Now, when I looked at your chart, you had Neptune in a very strong position. You've got Neptune in the fourth house uh, in your Soul Star uh, chart. Now, this is really interesting because it literally links you to a blood and soul group linked to Atlantis. Right. Why Atlantis? Yeah. Well, when Plato, he was the only person that really, well, he was the first person to record uh, Atlantis. That's where source is. It's Plato. And Plato said that the metropolis, the city of Atlantis, had right at the center a shrine to Neptune. 
So Neptune was very important to the Atlantean people. So when we have Neptune in the chart, it can link to Atlantis through you know, Plato's account. So in this uh, past life, and it's really interesting because Lee is the kind of you know pr uh, practical, pragmatic, and not, not I mean that disrespectfully, but you're very kind of left brain, and you're kind of more open and uh, sensitive, uh, etc. Then this shows in your chart because with Neptune always represents somebody that is sensitive and they're psychic. Uh, you probably got taught the psychic arts in Atlantis. Now, in the Atlantean temples, if we're to believe what people like Case, Ed, Ed, Edgar Case say, then, you know, they were underground to some respect. So there's a part of you which, you know, uh, can really retreat from the world and kind of go deep into, into yourself like you did in uh, Atlantean times. And maybe that influenced you in this life when you grew up to kind of need time to be by yourself, you know, and to kind of not uh, withdraw necessarily, but reflect, you know, needing that time to, to reflect. Also, uh, when people have a strong Neptune, you can literally be like a psychic sponge. Yeah, you can soak up people's energies uh, and soak up, you know, kind of environmental energies of, of where, where you are, which is great uh, on the one hand, because that can make, you know, very kind of mediumship skills have been born in this past life. They can also mean you can take on people's emotions uh, a bit too much. Do you see what I mean? Because you're absorbing uh, their energies. The intriguing thing about Neptune in the fourth house, which uh, astrologers have said since the dawn of time, is that it often means a family secret in some way that is connected to uh, your incarnation now. So I don't know, you know, what that is, but that's astrological law, you know, that's yeah. come, come down to us. So there may be some kind of secrets uh, in your family. So from that past life, I really do see you being connected to uh, a kind of spiritual group uh, a soul group from Atlantis, learning the psychic arts, but away from public eye. And that's why possibly from time to time now you just need time to kind of reflect and maybe be by, by yourself. So yeah, I think you've got mediumship skills from, from Neptune in this past life. Sometimes people are clairvoyant, clairaudient with uh, a strong Neptune, for example. Mm, yeah, well, I, I remember when I, was, when I was very young, I, I always kept to my bedroom. I didn't want to go out and do what the little boys did, you know, learn how to play football, play in the fields. I was stuck in my house, in my bedroom with a book. I didn't really, you know, mingle until later on, until, you know, later on in my years. But when I was little, my mum said, she, you know, you didn't really, I liked to be by myself. I didn't, I didn't want to do other stuff, you know. She used to pull me out of the bedroom just to get me out, you know. I liked to be yeah. by myself on my own thoughts then. Yeah, I, th I think, yeah, I think that's because you're in temple space. You were kind of away from the public eye, you know. So there's definitely times you do need the time to reflect. So when, I was, when I was seeing them uh, faces on the wall then, Maria, could they could, could they have been the, maybe it's from Atlantis? Because there's all female. There's all female. There's no males there. I remember that very distinct, distinctively. Uh, there's all female uh, faces on the wall. No male, but those really kind and bad... It, it's strange because I felt like I knew him. I wasn't frightened, but, you know, um, possibly. It could, well, it could well be, you know, Atlantean energy for those that feel connected to, to Atlantis. 
uh, you know, do feel as well, I don't know if this has ever happened uh, to you, Andy, when they meet another member of their soul group, because you come from a spiritual temple Atlantean soul group, mm. you feel connections quite quickly. Yeah. You know, if there's spiritual connections with people, that could come across, oh, I know you, it feels like I've known you forever. You know, so you might, you might experience, uh, experience that. So, yeah, so I think that's where you've got a, a lot of uh, psychic energy and maybe, you know, you were shy when you were growing up, but also a sense of being connected to nature. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, in Atlantis, there was so many beautiful irrigated fields. This is Plato's description, you know, not... Mm -hmm. Uh, he, he described Atlantis as being beautiful, having the most fertile fields, the most fragrant uh, flowers. Everything was bejeweled, you know, their temple spaces. So, and it was irrigated with, you know, fresh water. So they were very, um, you know, uh, lush. Mm. So there's always that connection with nature with uh, Atlantean soul groups. Yeah, yeah, I love nature. Always have done, absolutely. Yeah. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's uh, that's uh, that's re really uh, really good. So yeah, so I think you know, uh, born from that, yeah, the, you you would do well to kind of work in uh, kind of spiritual groups because you know that goes back to when you were in Atlantis working with people, admittedly away from public eye, but working together. So I, I could see you working really well with like a, a spiritual team. Yes. Yeah. So I'm trying to say, you know, be, being around others and, you know, exploring, you know, uh, the psychic arts, so to speak, uh, which would, should uh, come quite, you know, naturally to you. Yeah. So, well, yeah. But I, then in another... I did a couple of... Sorry. Um, I'd, I'd worked in a couple of spiritual groups and I found it, I found it much, much easier than by, you know, with a couple of people. The more people, the better, because you've got more energy. So you've got more to go on. You get, you've got, you've got more insight. The more people, the better. The more energy to use, and it's fantastic. So yeah, I, I, I loved it. I enjoyed doing that. Hopefully, one day I can go back to it, do it again. Yeah, I think I think working in that that kind of uh, environment for you, Andy, you just would, you know, find it so come so natural because yeah. yeah, it's it a does. part yeah. of your style. You know, and, and you, you've done that before. So in that past life was about, you know, um, being spiritual and uh, learning the, the psychic arts. But you've got uh, Saturn in a, a very prominent position as well. And uh, the astrologer, since time immemorial, have called Saturn the great malefic. And, you know, the Christians would say Satan. You know, I mean, it's not as bad as that. But it does bring testing energies into our lives, Saturn. Yeah. yeah. It kind of teaches us responsibility. It teaches us hardship. It teaches us to grow that way. So you had this really kind of spiritual life where you weren't used to being around that many people. You were kind of away from the public eye. And then your soul really chose to take on a very harsh life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in, in this life... Um, you, you could have even been, um, like, forced to work, forced to, you know, be in a, a slave situation where you had to work really hard because Saturn in this sector uh, represents hard, hard work, hard graft, yeah? So, uh, so in this past life, I think that you were probably exploited. Uh, you were made to work long and laborious hours. Uh, you didn't get kind of the, any gratification for anything that you did. 
So in this past life, I really think that you, you wouldn't do well for working hard and long hours. It would stress you out. Mm, yeah, yeah. So you would prefer a more like laid back. You don't work hard again. You did that in that past life. Not saying that you don't work hard, but I mean yeah. in a labor, uh, you know, laborious uh, situation. So for, for you in, uh, in this, in this uh, incarnation, uh, if you did overwork, you're going to become stressed. You could yeah. become uh, ill. Uh, you may have even got some kind of like psychic residue to do with the shoulders or the back because you were constantly working and moving. Do you see what I mean? So sometimes you can have a buildup of psychic residue uh, in those areas. So really, you did two extreme things, your soul. Your soul said, I'm going to be really kind of away from things here, learning the psychic arts, and then bang, learning the lesson of hard work for, for no gratification. So in this, uh, I think part of your spiritual heritage is uh, you, a bit like uh, Lee, uh, you don't really want to be told what to do, when to work. You, no. you, you, you want now your freedom because you've done all of that before and you don't want to go back to being told what to do and becoming the slave uh, again and being told this is how it should be. Mm, yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. I'm 52 now and I just want to retire. That's it. I just want to. <laughs> I do. I do want to retire and just drift away and go to see some beautiful places and just be me and make well, some. You definitely don't people. like working long hours, do you? Well, you you don't work long hours, be honestly, really. The baby rounds you get, mate. But, uh, <laughs> mind you, we do, don't we? We do. Yeah. We, we work till we finish, don't we? 50 uh, hours a week. Yeah, yeah, 50 hours a week. We drive all Plus, over the country, don't we? Mm. So, you know, and, and we finish where we finish, and that's it. And um, and he does get stressed out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can testify to that. A bit that. of road rage, rage here and there. That's all, you know. But, uh, no, it's it's great. I mean, I, I mean, I'm always down your neck of the woods as well, Murray, down Swindon around that area, and, and um, I don't mind Swindon. But once I get out to the outskirts and into the countryside, I feel fantastic because I mm. love. I, I hate being in cities. Hate being in towns. I, I just got to put my foot down and get out because I can't stand the town. Is the city? Is you know what I mean? They're just it's low frequency, and I, I, just, I love being working in little villages and that, but hate cities. But again, you never know. One day I might retire, mate. I might get retired and go and uh, I might go to Holdy uh, on Hawaii and. Uh... Let's get the well. Let's find out. Yeah. Okay. Let's have a look. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that in, in that past life, it was really, you know, that was quite a lot for a, a soul to take on because you, you, you weren't, uh, on a soul level, used to being uh, told what to do. You were kind of more uh, the spiritual. And in this past life, we have Mars in a, in a very strong um, position. And uh, it was a male uh, incarnation. Oh, incidentally, in Atlantis, you were probably female. You know, I think that's, again, very sensitive, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, for sure, and Saturn, you would have been uh, a male in that life. Uh, and in this uh, past life, you would have been a male also, because it's Mars, and Mars has always been depicted uh, as, as a male. So uh, in this uh, past life, you really uh, wanted to um, learn about kind of combined in spirituality, that sensitive side with you, uh, uh, to, to family life. Yeah. Uh, so in a way, you kind of wanted to uh, have a family and, you know, have all of the 2.2 kids in this incarnation and everything. But uh, that didn't work out. You ended up being a uh, single again. Yeah. 
so there was a kind of in this past life a bit of a kind of resonance with relationships you know uh, do I or uh, don't I uh, and so I don't know how how you feel with uh, with that uh, today but it uh, with Mars in that position sometimes means breakups uh, not un feeling understood sometimes do you see what I mean or yep. feeling uh, misunderstood uh, in some way so after you kind of had had a breakup uh, with with a relationship, in all probability, you then went to uh, in a kind of like combat situation because Mars is often associated in this placement with war, yeah, yeah. especially in old uh, style uh, astrology. And because it was uh, kind of you are a psychic side, you're probably quite using your intuition. And quite a few people have said with these placements with uh, with Neptune and with uh, Mars that you could probably go into an area that's had conflict you know like say for example I put you on um, a hilltop near here that's had a battle with the Saxons and King Arthur for, yeah. for argument's sake you know then I think you could tune in to past like conflicts that have happened in the past be that to do with war be that to do with kind of any type of conflict in energy because yep. you you know even if it kind of like here in distant battles or something like that because that's where you put yourself uh, in that that situation yeah so I don't know a timeline for that you know but it was definitely to do with war and uh, and combat uh, and you probably in that past life um, died quite suddenly because uh, Mars in the eighth house uh, with uh, quite close to another planet called Uranus can often mean like a sudden death. So, you know, uh, with Mars, if there is a sudden death to do with a war, a conflict in situation, you often have a birthmark that depicts where, you know, like for argument's sake, a spear went into you or whatever. Yeah. So quite often, past life regression therapists would say, you know, look for birthmarks. They can represent trauma uh, to the physical body born in a past life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. You got any of them? Uh, yeah, I've got one just in my thigh here. Just down my thigh-ish. That's what he was saying. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm just saying... Good, good, good job the mist, you know, got a bit more painful, man, depends how quick my death was, you know what I mean? I hope I didn't, like, I hope I didn't uh, linger too long, yeah, but it's just a nimby thigh here, That's a, you know, I shouldn't really be saying this really, but yeah, uh, yeah, again, it's, yeah, um, I hear sounds, you know, if I can go out, I hear sounds, I hear voices sometimes, I, I, I have all, all my life, you know, and uh, I, something I like to, eventually I want to do is just to go and wander and you know, go in nature and wander, and you can, you know, sometimes pick them up. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing better than chucking your shoes off, chucking your socks off, and then, you know, grounding yourself. And, you know, hey, it's beautiful. It's other people, yeah, stuff, yeah, and, definitely. You know, it's, people have forgotten how to do it, but yeah, it's yeah, yeah, but it's, it's that we have we have a disconnect. Uh, a lot of people have a disconnect with nature today, and don't even ground and kick off their shoes. And uh, I, I would say, you know, you've got that. From Atlantis. I, I, I love connecting. It's you just you just you just get that feel. You just get, you get that. I don't know it's a tingling, a tingling or whatever. It's a knowing, it's tingling, but it's it's, it's you know to just connect. You know, but because you've got so many, you know, work related in your head, and you've got the bills, and you've got this and that. You know, it's hard to, you know, until one day I get I retire and I'm okay then. Then I will do. I am, I am determined, and I will. It's going to be whenever. But I will do. You know what I've always wanted to do is 
go and travel and see people and um you know to do what i want to do just you know i'm not gonna be caged in anymore i just don't wanna, i just want to explore you know that's it explore and meet incredible people and you know, you're the same aren't you, you mm -hmm. you're exactly the same it's what you want to do that as well don't you yes. you know how long can they prison us for i don't know I know it's uh, you know a lot of people do uh, do need uh, the, their freedom. Uh, so we're going to come to another planet, then we'll look to okay. the future okay. uh, because you've 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 got uh, the moon in the uh, second uh, sector of your soul star chart, which unlike Lee in Lee's chart, he had the sun, uh, which linked to the males in your in your line, you know your father for good or for bad, you know there is karmic energy there. Whereas for you, it's the female bloodline, the moon, which is yeah. always deemed feminine. Yeah. So, uh, so in this uh, past life, there is definitely karma between your mother, uh, your sister, your wife, or a strong female figure in your life. The same with Lee, it could be a strong male friend or an uncle. Do you see what I mean? It's all about that line. And again, in this uh, past life, you all incarnated together, uh, you know, as as females. And uh, there was a really strong, strong bond because even in like um, you know modern days astrology, the moon always represents the mother emotions. It connects us to where we live, to our families. You know, it's a very uh, strong uh, connection. So I, I see that there's a connection, a karmic connection between all of the females uh, in your in your bloodline. Mm -hmm. There's also always been uh, Andy a psychic. Uh, Kind of connection between your your the females in your family going back generation after generation after generation. Yeah. So I would even say that you know your your grandmother may not have told you, for example, but she would have been uh, psychic. Do you see what I mean on both yeah. sides of the family? So because uh, it's it's a kind of karmic energy. So I think not only did you get your kind of sensitivity from an experience uh, in Atlantis in temple space. But through the, the the female bloodline, so I, I can see you like in this past life to be uh, quite family orientated, uh, liking to be around your your mother and family uh, members and children, uh, and also you know even uh, learning the things about herbs and healing, yep. you know things that you know a kind of mother naturally wants to do to heal children. Do you see what I mean? So. I think there's a healing side to you with uh, this moon placement uh, as well. Yep, yeah, I'm a healer as well. <laughs> Just, I love, you know, and it's, I've always, herbs as well, they fascinated me in that, but, you know, but, but healing, it just, it just, just something, uh, it comes, you know, to, to do. It's, you know, you, if someone's poorly, you send them, you know, say, I mean, people, you know, people want to touch people and, you know, hands on. I'm not, I, I can be if I wanted to be, but I just, I think it's more, personal and more intent if you can send the thoughts you know because i think they go quicker and it, it's intention there so yeah and yeah i i love healing i love um you know sending healing to all to the world you know, not just to people to the world as well so that side to me as well is that side that caring you know if i i mean i'm, I'm if i see an animal on the road injured or dead it, it affects me if I see someone you know a tree cut down it affects me it does. It just affects, you know. It's you live in a lunatic asylum, I'm afraid, and the crazies run the show. And you know, to cut down a tree, cut down something, and you know, if I if I'm on a country road, you'll be the same. If you're on a country road, you do 25, 30 miles an hour. 
you know, because you, you know something's going to go across, but you, you see all dead animals. Anyway, that's another story. But yeah, I have got that. I have got that side to me, uh, Maria, of that caring. You know that. Uh, you know, healing side. You know where you. That's me. That's my nature. That's it. I can't change who I am. That's it. So yeah, that's how I am. And I send me healing. I used to when I when I, when I had my uh, when I had my study, I used to sit in my chair, think of a person, had a photograph, and I think it's happened three times. I sent my thoughts, I'm healing, and my power from my gut, and these people have got better, they got well. Maybe not from me. I'm not. I'm not. Trump, I'm not blowing my own trumpet. But there's a couple of times if people have made a, rem a remarkable recovery, you know, just by me. Well, not by me, but others as well. Guides as well. Their guides as well have done this, done this as well. But you know, it's something I, I like. I like doing, and uh, I'm, I am a kind of private person in that way. But again, you you still got to work in this one, life, haven't you? You still got to do what you got to do on a daily basis. So, yeah, yeah, I think you're spot on with that. Spot on. Yeah, well, like you say, Andy, you know, if, uh, thoughts do go fast, and there's energy behind thought, isn't there? So, you know, uh, intent is, uh, you know, really um, applied there. Well, when we have a look at your future transits, you've got uh, two that really uh, stand out. And uh, one is going to probably be kicking in about now and way up to the end of uh, the year. Right. Especially it peaks around about the 25th of September, so that's around about the time of the equinox, you yeah. know, autumn equinox. But you've got, and you can, you know, Google them, because yours is, if you ever want to Google it, yours is Pluto, Opposition, the Ascendant, uh, Lee, and yours, uh, Andy, is a Jupiter conjunct Neptune, and Neptune is one of your planets in your soul star, so this okay. is going to be strong for you, like you have Pluto in your chart, so your Pluto transit is going to be strong for you. And when these two planets come together, Jupiter and uh, Neptune, it's a massive spiritual advancement. It's a spiritual awakening all over again. So I really foresee in the near future, peaking around September, your intuition uh, will peak up. You'll become more sensitive. You could People that have experienced this have said, you know, in blogs and things, you know, that uh, they've even started to see auras very, very clearly and start to see uh, beyond the ethos. So it's a very spiritual transit. And I really think this is going to bring back a kind of your Atlantean memories even of when you were taught that the psychic uh, arts there because it's all kind of uh, connected. So I think you're going to grow uh, spiritually speaking i think you're going to re remember uh, your kind of uh, atlantean past and kind of grow in the uh, psychic arts so that's going to increase your sensitivity then that's a good side of it but you know when uh, one sensitivity is being increased it means you can become at times a little bit oversensitive you know somebody could say something in passing and really not mean it and you're you're going to be hypersensitive do you yeah. see what I mean? to to everything outside yourself so you know um, if somebody does say anything try not to take too much an offense you're just very very uh, heightened during uh, that time so i think it's almost like you're going to grow uh, on a on a big level there also uh, for next year uh, coming up in the, in the future, this is going to be quite an important transit. And, you know, again, a Googler after, after this show, you've got Uranus conjunct the MC. 
Now, the MC in astrology means what was right above you at the time of your birth, right at the zenith in the heavens, as astronomers would call it. It's called the midheaven. So why they called it MC, ancient astrologers, I don't know. It should be MH, midheaven. Anyway, we go with ancient astrological uh, term, terminology. So this can, again, a bit like what Andy's, uh, um, sorry, Lee's going to experience with the change that Pluto's uh, going to bring. You're going to have changes maybe to do with work coming up, uh, Andy, uh, yeah. as well. There could be striking changes coming up where it's almost like uh, you'll be in the right place at the right time. This is a positive transit for change. Yeah. yeah. It's two years. These are slow-moving planets. They're not going to go bingo overnight. So it's in the two-year time. Uh, and again, it can change and transform where you work. Uh, it can change friends. You might find new influences coming into your life. And you'll find them quite inspirational. The great thing about Uranus in this position, it can bring luck from out of the blue. Unexpected gains, yeah? yeah. So it's considered a very positive transit. And if you wanted to change your career during the next two years, the energies of, of the kind of universe, uh, you know, your energies, they're coming together and saying, I do want change. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think you could even go on to kind of do some more traveling within the next two years. I see that could uh, come in. But more than that, I think you're going to be in the right place at the right time to benefit from some opportunities. So looking at you both, it's quite interesting that in a way you kind of have these similar transits where you're both going to be changing and maybe moving, moving on. Uh, and again, you know, you'll be able to, I think, have more freedom with Uranus because Uranus, again, Andy, really doesn't like being told what to do. Uranus is bohemium, it's the maverick of astrology. You know, it doesn't like uh, nine to five and being told what to yeah. do. So maybe both of you are going to be uh, getting more in sort of touch with who you want to be in the future. Do you see what I mean? And initiating these changes where uh, you will have more freedom possibly, uh, and the ability to be more who you are. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Spot on. Yep. Yep. I, uh, <clears throat> I feel that um, yeah, to I, some extent. So, yeah. yeah, I again, I, I think well, we've been talking what we've always said, so we'd love to do, go here and go there and go to that place and mm. visit that place and see these people. You know, I, I, I really, you know, put... Put to my mind that I want to, you know, travel, to go and see places and meet other people, because that's, you know, that's what we want to do. You know, so it's, it's not into a nine on not not to a nine to five job and you know do this, pay the bills and once a week and that. Nah, nah, nah. No, I think uh, I think that time's coming, Maria. Where, you know, hopefully, if if you say what you're saying, and I think it is true, is I'm going to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And then someone will come up and will offer, and I'll take it. I'll, I'll definitely take it. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's it's known as, you know, to, to be unexpected, good changes that come. So, yeah. you, so the, the key thing with the Uranus uh, conjunct, the uh, MC, the Midheaven, uh, is, you know, it will come out of the blue when you least expect it. But be aware of opportunities, a bit like Lee's as well. You've got to be aware of the opportunities to take them fast. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Because of the thing about these two, two transits uh, for, for you both, it's about recognizing and then having the kind of sense, I can change, because this is all about change. Mm. Staying the same under these transits won't cut it. That because 
astrologers have always said it's choice or coercion. The planets will teach you to grow and expand by not doing the same same old thing. Do you hear what I'm saying? And this is what these two planets are. They're great teachers that can teach you to get out of your comfort zone and experience yep. something different. And Uranus loves the different. It loves the maverick. It loves the bohemian. Uh, and same with uh, with Pluto. It's got that strong will, but yours is more about alchemy, about sort of transforming uh, the old into the new, or what you don't want into something uh, something else. So, uh, and it's interesting. You're both under these two year transits that can uh, initiate these these changes, provided you spot the opportunities. Is the key yeah. uh, to uh, to that. Well, I'll keep a, keep an eye out for those. Um, yeah, definitely. I'll uh, yeah, just I'll say I'll just take every day as it comes, and if something comes up, you know, that's it. So grab it, grab it, absolutely, grab it. Yeah, absolutely. Send me mm. two years. Because you, you know, we, we could be doing lectures, you know. Because yeah. you always look stuff. back, don't you? You always see missed opportunities. So yeah, um, yeah. You know, going so. forward, I think it's something mm. to really keep an eye out for, isn't it? But um, yeah, fantastic. Uh, it was uh, well, as bad as I thought, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks, Lee. <laughs> well, I was really looking forward to it because uh, it was me, no, I was, me and Marie on the same wavelength, you know. So yeah, yeah it's fantastic. It's, again, uh, um, you know, it's uh, I, I, I'm, I mean, I was speaking to my friend in London uh, the other day, and uh, you know, we was talking about the changes that are coming now, what what's happening. And, you know, and I'm really hoping that the changes will come will be positive. But you know, if you look at what I mean, if you look out your window now, and it's not, when the changes coming quick and fast now. So you know, it's some people will adapt, somebody won't. You know, some won't will they? So it's, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a, a, a big change, but not yet. I don't think it's going to be yet. I think there's, there's a lot of time yet for people to waken up, uh, and hopefully, you know. Um, find out what's going on all they've got to do is stick the head out the window and, look, and see what's going on in the back garden instead mm -hmm. of uh but don't know. do that if you're on a bus well no no I'm, no, no no i mean that i'm saying you know go and look and see what's really yeah, going yeah. out there you know don't take yeah. it what the media's telling you and the circus and you know really find out what's really going on and you know um yeah. really would Fan but yeah fantastic fascinating absolutely fascinating so um do you want to tell people where they can find your book? Because I'm sure people are going to yeah, definitely. be interested in it after hearing this. Yeah, sure. You can uh, find uh, Druidic Soul Star Astrology to start calculating your own charts, your own past lives on uh, my websites, which are esotericcollege.com and uh, the Avebury Experience co.uk or you could buy it on Amazon. And it's also an ebook. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, on Amazon as well. So you could go through Amazon or you know why? Why have uh, Amazon get all of the money when the authors could get some some more because they take commission and things? So I would advise to go through the website. And like I said at the start of the show, we're planning to have software so that you can instantly see it at a glance. You know, uh, past lives with a brief interpretation, uh, drawn of like I said from uh, the get go from very historical sources that have been renowned to be accurate about planetary placements. 
So that's what we've done with, uh, with the book. It's about kind of taking the traditional and applying it to a kind of new branch of astrology. And it was quite uh, exciting. And I, and I love doing uh, people's charts. And I'm also open for readings. You can have a reading with me. You can just book in at esotericcollege.com or through the averyexperience.co.uk. Fantastic. Great yeah. stuff. Well, I'll definitely, I'll definitely be saying that and I'll have people to go and see you because they, you're fascinating, you're, you're a lovely lady and, we, you know, again, it's it's great talking to you and said so the books, I love the book, um, I'm still reading it, I'm trying to, well, I want to try and find, I know you've been telling, you know, in, in there, what I'm, I'm trying to find my own bits in there now, so I'm going to try and, you know, see where I'm, where I'm going to go next, but I know, um, obviously, what's going to be the next chapter? what you say well it's coming it's coming yeah yeah so, you can feel it can't you? you can see you can feel indeed. the energy coming so well, yeah like, like i say just to end with in two years time because you're both experiencing long duration transits and i really do feel in a couple of years time you're going to look back and say why didn't i do whatever it is earlier do you see what i mean it's, yeah, it's yeah. going to you're going to look back and it will bring in changes uh, and change can sometimes be good and exciting yeah yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Today. Thank you, Maria. Really. Yeah, thank you very much for, for doing that, you know what I mean? Yeah, thank you very much. Undertaking, so, yeah, you know, absolutely. Grateful. All right, then, guys. Well, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, and uh, stay in touch. And uh, thanks for today. Definitely. Hopefully we can uh, maybe have a meet-up again one time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely. Know, definitely. Because I, uh, I think there's more places to explore out there definitely indeed <laughs> certainly right. is thank you thanks a lot right, maria guys, i'm gonna love you and leave you thank you take care bye bye on today's cryptid corner we find out cryptid corner. how a goblin-like creature can steal your wife yeah can she steal a wife so today we are talking about a tokolosh. What the hell is a... A, a what? Tokolosh. What the hell is a tokolosh? <laughs> well, I'm glad you've asked that question because a tokolosh is a dwarf-like, hairy, goblin-esque creature. Dwarf in what size are we talking? Uh, ranges up to three feet. Not much bigger than that. So it's roughly between two and f two to three feet and it resides in majority of cases South Africa. Right, okay. Okay, so... so Obviously, to describe a tokolosh to you, then it looks like, I say, like a goblin-esque creature. But if you think... The best way to describe it, I think, is if you think of Gizmo from Gremlins. Right, okay. okay. So we can all conjure that in yep. our minds. So it's a gremlin. It's like a gremlin. But a different name. It's a gremlin. Well, it's a fairy gremlin, but with an extraordinarily long penis. Oh, right. So okay. okay. And we'll get into what he does with that later. Right, okay. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. well uh, obviously, uh, you know, where's it, where's it come from? Uh, there's a few different ideas for this one being that it's conjured up by a witch doctor in the case of um say you've got two rivals that yep. kind of thing you can go to a witch doctor and conjure one up and you know then it'll come into my life the witch doctor makes that using a spirit of the dead right. so it's an ancestor a uh, ghost if you like but the other train of thought for this is that the tokolosh comes from the union between a man and a animal that results in a tokolosh baby but, but Sick. even that baby will be, and they always say that it lives in the realm between man and animal, so it's in the middle, it's in that so grey area. So it's you know, like we say, for fairies, that kind of folk. Yeah. 
uh, fairy folk, that kind of stuff. So that's essentially where it comes from. How do you know you've got one? Right, well, ways you know you've got a tokolosh range from the mundane to the extraordinary. Uh, the mundane things are your typical poltergeist activity, what we'd say. So banging, knocking, scratching, yep. um, that kind of thing. Things being moved, objects being moved, turning up in random places. Your fridge door being left open is a good sign you've got a tokolosh. Mm. Now, we've, you know, we've, all, we've all had that, so, you know. Uh, food going missing, again... That happens regular at my house. Uh, chocolate bars that I leave, don't know where they go. Yogurts, gone. Uh, so it's definitely a tokolosh. Getting into the more extreme, because I know you want to know. It's supposed to. Uh, so it's a gremlin. The thing with a tokolosh is, as I said, is immense penis. And what he does with that, he'll sneak into your house at night, climb in the sheets. Now, he don't care who's in the sheets, right? He's got no preference. Man, woman, don't care. But he'll climb in the sheets and start having his wicked way. Obviously, he normally chooses a lady, but it's not strictly a lady. There's been many cases where the tokolosh has entered the bed, um, had its way with the with the man, and then the next morning the man feels like he's pregnant. Uh, he's got a, 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 like a lump in his stomach, a, a, you know, that weird feeling in his stomach. Again, he'll climb in the sheets and have his way with a woman. Uh, there's a couple of issues with this. One is the the love the uh, husband, if you like, in that situation cannot see the tokolosh. So all he hears is his wife having a real good time and maybe even having like a, a wet dream kind of yeah, situation. Yeah. But he can't see anything and then he, he thinks that she's got another lover and this obviously uh, can result in... Divorce. Know, divorce. Uh, the, other, the other problem which leads to divorce is that extraordinary length of his penis is almost the half the length of his body. Uh, so if you imagine Gizmo with a foot-long penis, you're getting somewhere close. The problem is he will have his way with a woman, romance the lady, as you will, and she can never ever be satisfied by her husband after that. Oh dear. So obviously that, again, leads to uh, well, struggle in a marriage and, and obviously maybe, divorce. Maybe they should buy marital aids or something, you know, this, the, this might do Well, possible. yeah, yeah. The other thing about a tokolosh is, do you sleep with your feet outside the bed? Outside the covers. I do, yeah. I, right, I, well, I sleep. Well, sorry, I sleep naked all the time. I don't sleep all the time. So. Well, I mean, you, you're a prime target for a tokolosh then. But the, uh, if you sleep with your feet outside the bed, and many people will, the tokolosh will. The, this is favorite tipple. His favorite uh, tokolosh's favorite treat is human toes. So if you sleep with your feet outside the bed, tokolosh may chew them off. So if you wake up in the morning, you're missing a couple of toes. Chances are. A tokolosh has been in your bedroom. Oh, yeah. How fuck that? How would you get rid of it? Okay, so getting rid of a tokolosh is easy and difficult at the same time. Right. Okay. It result you know, it generally ends in uh, pain. So one of the ways you go is to the creator. So in this case, witch doctor. So you go to a witch doctor, uh, not necessarily the one that created it, but Ooh. a witch doctor, and you would ask him, you explain your situation. They would first come to your house and start uh, burning sage and other uh, herbs, essences. And that sometimes results in um, asphyxiating the, the tokolosh. He can't stand the, the stench and he runs out of the house, just Ooh. leaves, that's it, never yeah. to return. If that doesn't work, then what the uh, witch doctor will do is grind the herbs up into like a, like a, you know, like a paste, Ooh. smear that all over your body, and that will um, sometimes work. Yeah. But if that doesn't work, the more extreme version of that is he'll get a razor blade and cut cuts into you, 
skin uh, into your head, your arms, your chest, your legs, all over your body. Little cuts, razor blades, and then rub that lotion in. Okay, and then obviously you go to bed and the Tokolosh cl goes climbing the sheet, smells that like, and you don't want anything to do with that. And he just leaves and you'll be free of the Tokolosh. So that is a Tokolosh. Or Gremlin. In a nutshell. Well, they've gone. Oh, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>